We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. Did you know that one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness each year? Or that 50% of all lifetime mental illnesses begin by age 14 and 75% by age 24? Suicide is currently the second leading cause of death among people between the ages of 10 and 24. Since the COVID-19 virus in 2020 and the lockdowns and social distancing enforcements that accompanied it, the numbers of mental illness and suicides have skyrocketed. Amidst these times of heartache and chaos, it's wonderful to know we have a Savior who still offers abundant life and meets our deepest needs. As believers around the country have become more aware of mental illness, many who once gave the topic little thought are now responding with compassion. Since 2002, Key Ministry has been helping churches minister to families with hidden disabilities. They've been an influential force in providing knowledge and innovation to churches as they seek to become more effective in ministry with individuals affected by disability, trauma, and mental illness. Today, we're honored to have with us the Director of Mental Health Ministry for Key Ministry, Catherine Boyle. Catherine, welcome to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. Well, thank you so much for having me, Tarika. Catherine, mental illness is a deep and difficult subject to address. Hopefully, the more we expand our understanding on this, the more we'll honor and love those impacted. Well, to get us started, could you give us basic insight into mental illness? Well, sure. Um, I think probably most people in the U.S. have heard the term mental illness, but um, not everyone knows exactly what that means. Um, There are quite a lot of mental illnesses that are diagnosed by psychiatrists or or psychologists, Um, but some of the more common ones are depression, anxiety. Uh, You can also consider things like um, attention deficit disorder mental illnesses because they are disorders that originate in the brain. Sometimes you'll hear the term behavioral health medicine or behavioral health treatment. What that means is that uh, people that have these conditions, the conditions reveal themselves in behavior. So, um, so for the person who is depressed, you know, they may not want to leave the home. They may withdraw from friendships. Um, a child with ADD, on the other hand, um, has a brain-based disorder going on and, you know, they can't sit still and pay attention to anything for more than about 15 minutes. Um, pretty interestingly, mental illness can look very different in adults than it does in children. Um, just a, an example, many times children will present with stomach aches, especially when they're in the uh, early to middle um, elementary school years come to find out that for most children that have, you know, that don't have any other underlying physical cause, 
what they're experiencing is anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the time we get to be adults, we express anxiety in different ways. So um, there are plenty of other diagnosable conditions from um, more complex mental illnesses like bipolar disorder or or certainly schizophrenia. Um, But depression and anxiety in particular are extremely common uh, among all people worldwide. So what's your story? How did the Lord use your background to lead you into the ministry you have today? Well, I've been impacted by mental health issues really my whole life. And actually in my late teens and early 20s, um, I had an eating disorder. And um, I was first anorexic and then later bulimic. And, you know, I would tell anybody that for anybody to be anorexic in particular, they are absolutely depressed. And, um, you know, it took a, it took a long time for me to kind of get past those things and, and past, um, thinking of myself that way. And, you know, the way that I I viewed myself as a, as a person with an eating disorder. Um, and I don't recommend (laughs) the way that I got through it, which was really, um, you know, with, you know, with a lot of um, not real direct help, if you will. Um, But, you know, Jesus ultimately brought me through all of that. Um, You know, I still have depression and anxiety, but I have to deal with it in, you know, in different ways, uh, but I no longer have an eating disorder. I, you know, I was unhappy (laughs) to find out about myself, uh, particularly as I got into my 30s and older, was that, um, I had chronic insomnia and I did abs- absolutely everything under the sun to take care of that um, and, and to be very healthy and, and you know, to um, all the right things to get a good night's sleep. And I could not. And this went on for um, it was a problem off and on since I was a child, but it became really acute when uh, my second child was born and it was just it was kind of devastating trying to function as a, as a, a parent of two little kids and a wife and, uh, you know, without able to get regular sleep. And, and the last thing I wanted to do was to take medication, but the medication that I started taking that I still take today was like a miracle in my life. And so, um, you know, God had to lead me through a process to get to where I was ready to accept that. But, Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, this long period of time between onset of symptoms to getting help. And, and honestly, that's part of why I do what I do because, um, yeah, you know, suffering can draw us close to God, but you also need to have hope. (laughs) There's a way out of your suffering or that got, you know, there's a way through your suffering. And so if I can shorten that time period for others, you know, then then that is just a very meaningful thing for me personally. Mm, Praise the Lord. Unfortunately, you know, some are prone to hold theories or make assumptions about a person's illness. For instance, we witness a child kicking and screaming in a grocery store aisle and quickly conclude it's a character flaw or a sin issue. Or perhaps we observe a friend who seems completely crippled by anxiety, and we decide it must be genetics, and therefore our friend shouldn't be held responsible for anything. What do we lose if we fall into the trap of that either-or thinking? Well, you know, one of the things that um, I love about uh, God's Word and just and, and just the 
the life of a Christ follower is that, you know, none of us is full of the whole mind of Christ at once. Scripture talks repeatedly about the importance of growing in maturity and and discernment. And, you know, this is one of those areas, you know, when you're talking about mental health conditions that absolutely requires both spiritual maturity and discernment. Um, you know, there is an enormous difference in a child who can't do something and won't do something. Right. And it can it can be nearly impossible to tell the difference unless you're really paying attention, unless you're really tuned in to that child. And, you know, for, for <laughs> most teachers, they don't have the bandwidth, the time, you know, or, or the inclination to, you know, deal with a classroom full of students and, you know, have some that may appear to be misbehaving on the surface when actually they're having a very difficult time you know, either understanding because of, uh, you know, a diagnosable condition or, um, you know, they're acting out because they're so frustrated, they don't know what to do. Now, you also asked about, um, you know, should we just excuse every, you know, any behavior that a person with a diagnosable condition has? Well, absolutely not. I mean, all of us are sinners made, you know, made in the image of God, but we all have this sin nature. And so, it doesn't matter what your what your mental health condition is. You know, everyone, no matter where you fall on any spectrum, can still grow in faith and grow in maturity. And and God expects that. You know, whatever whatever your capacity is. And in fact, our our president and founder, Dr. Steve Gersovich, used to do a lot of presentations around the country. All the time, people would approach him afterwards, you know, these parents of children that had a diagnosable condition, and they would say to him, you know, people can always, you know, people think they can tell where mental illness ends and bad parenting begins. <laughs> and, you know, it's just so important um, as ministry leaders to really listen to what the parents are saying. Yeah, of course, there's plenty of people who are not skilled in, you know, in parenting the children that they have and, and can benefit from interventions from, from experts, get take classes, what have you. But uh, for the most part, you know, most parents are really trying hard to understand and support their children. And, and it's just, it, it helps so much from a ministry leader perspective to give the, the families grace and the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That's very well said. As we touched on just a moment ago, uh, the world is still struggling with the devastating effects of the virus. Lives have been dramatically altered, including the lives of those who battle with anxiety and depression. Do you see a growing need for Christians to step forward and minister to them? Yes. I mean, the short answer, absolutely yes. Um, and you know, one thing that has been encouraging because of the pandemic is the the large number of churches that for the very first time have spoken publicly you know by the the senior pastor and you know the the pulpit or whatever their ministry platform is on Sunday morning or their main worship you know spoken for the very first time on the realities of being anxious and being afraid and 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 being depressed mm. and the importance of not letting that linger for so long that you really get kind of sucked down into a dark place. 
Um, so we were very encouraged to see that uh, last year, particularly when things, you know, maybe in the first few months of the lockdowns. Um, but, you know, one thing that we advocate, you know, even before COVID was that it's so important for that senior pastor or whoever is the chief authority figure in the church to, to be willing to talk publicly about the realities of mental health needs. Um, because I don't know if you guys have noticed, but our culture has really grabbed hold of the realities of, of mental illness and um, that there are things that can be done to support people who are struggling. Um, and it's just so important for the church to be part of that. Um, in fact, we, we and other organizations like Key Ministry often say that the church can really be and should really be the front door to the mental health system. Mm. Um, there's still about 25% of people who go to their pastor, they go to that individual first when they have a mental health issue um, versus going to a doctor first. And I, I totally understand that. You know, it's when you let's just take um, depression or anxiety for an example. Um, both of those conditions can lead to a person withdrawing from friendships, um, feelings of shame, a, a desire for isolation. So if you're feeling ashamed and you know that something's going on with you, you know, it, it really does drive you to questions about, you know, well, what is wrong with me as a human? Am I, am I, a horrible human being, you know, God help me through my suffering. What, you know, where am I to go with this? So it makes total sense to me that people would still go to the, the chief religious authority in their life to get help first. Um, and the good news is that more and more churches over time are getting themselves knowledge and equipping to be able to help people, whether it's pro providing counseling on site or, um, you know, having trusted contacts in the community who are medical professionals who can actually help people. Mm. And, you know, one thing that um, is is a, a problem in a lot of uh, particularly rural areas in the U.S. is that there aren't necessarily um, doctors or, or particularly specialists, you know, it, treating mental health conditions, but churches are in every community. And so for the church to step into this space can really, you know, fill a very important and um, uh, persistent gap that people have between, you know, really having something that's a significant struggle in their life and actually, you know, getting help for it. As members of a church, how can we cultivate a gospel-centered spirit of grace in the church to respond to those suffering in deep, ongoing emotional stress? Well, I think um, a couple of things are just so important. Um, you know, it, pastors, ministry leaders, Sunday school teachers, small group leaders, doesn't matter what role you play. It's just really important to have that balance of truth and grace mm -hmm. in the way that you communicate. Um, so, you know, if, if the pastor is willing to talk about the reality uh, that people go through with with being depressed and, and feeling anxious um, and just speak factually about that from the pulpit, it gives people in the church permission to talk about 
their own struggles when they're, you know, when they're in their Sunday school class, when they're in their small group, you know, or, or when they're meeting for coffee with friends, you know, not even at church. A lot of churches have approached mental health issues as, as health issues overall, um, particularly in some of some minority communities, health events are ways that they have provided education and, uh, you know, deepened understanding for mental health issues by creating um, events that are interesting to the community and also help them not be, you know, afraid of speaking up and, and reaching out for help for mental health issues. You know, the more that we can normalize um, just the, you know, the pervasive nature of mental health issues and just being human, the better it will be for anyone who's a member of a church or anyone um, in any community. And and honestly, right. it helps with our ability to meet people who are not Christ followers yet, mm-hmm. because if we're willing to meet them where they are and and recognize that their struggle is, you know, it's not unique and it's not um, something to be feared, but it's just part of the, the human condition you know, that that kind of openness and warmth can really go a long way towards people seeing that, you know, that God does love them, that they aren't so broken that he won't love them. Hmm. Right. Excellent advice. Could you suggest two or three meaningful ways we could reach out to, encourage, and serve those with mental illnesses, especially during this season when Social gatherings are still restricted in many places. We get contacted on average about once a week from a church or, or ministry that's just looking to, you know, do some aspect of mental health ministry. And, you know, usually they don't really have any idea where to get started. Um, but, you know, the good news in the past year, so many ministries have gone online. So many sermons have been online sharing about the reality of mental health needs. You know, those are huge things right there. But, you know, if, it, if a church contacts me today, you know, we typically tell churches to start with the prayer and care aspects of mental health ministry, because you can you can pray for anything. And, you know, God will direct you as to specific actions that you can take in specific situations. Um, But just the practical needs that can go along with a mental health condition. For example, if if a parent has a child who has attempted suicide and the child is in the local psychiatric hospital, well, you know, the meal ministry that's routinely provided for a family who has a child in the hospital because they have, you know, a seriously broken limb, that same meal ministry can be just as meaningful for the family that has a child in the hospital because of a psychiatric condition. Or if you are a parent who um, has a spouse who perhaps is hospitalized or is just having a very difficult time at home, you know, I, I have seen the church do so many just beautiful things to support people who, you know, are, are having, a, you know, living through cancer, or, you know, getting chemo treatments and, you know, from from arranging transportation for kids to and from school or to and from sports events or, or practices to mowing the grass, cleaning the house. I mean, all those same things that the church is so good at doing 
those same kind of things can be done for somebody who's living with a psychiatric condition. Specific to what we've all been going through in the past year, you know, we've, we jumped right in because we recognized that COVID was going to take a huge toll on mental health. And so, gosh, I mean, I think it was before the end of last March that we started putting out new content about, yeah, we've got all this concern about, you know, actually catching COVID, but please don't neglect paying attention to the mental health needs these are going to take a lot longer to resolve. And sadly, you know, we weren't wrong about that. Um, but one of the beautiful byproducts been we've created some um, new video content and, and some of our writing team members have come up with some just really ingenious things that can be done. So um, just a few things from some of the um, great ideas that have come forth in the past year. Um, you know, a lot of things that normally would have been done in person, we can't do, but that doesn't mean that you can't show up at somebody's house and visit them from a safe distance, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of ministry, whether it's to families that live with disabilities and, and have a very medically vulnerable family member, or for families, you know, maybe maybe someone is just very depressed and has not been leaving their home. Well, you know, if they're willing you can do a doorstep visit. You know, you can drop off dinner. Uh, you could do uh, just very simple things. You can have, everybody is used to doing Zoom now. Uh, you know, we've seen people play games over Zoom. Um, everybody basically appreciates getting something in the mail. So we've seen lots of old fashioned letter writing and sending cards and um, sending prayers written on postcards. You know, those kinds of things can easily be done at any time. And, and it, you know, those things let people who are struggling perhaps with depression and anxiety uh, just know that they're not forgotten and know that they're cared for. Um, you know, a, a couple other things that come to mind, actually distanced walk in your neighborhood with, you know, with your neighbor who, you know, maybe is, is struggling with anxiety or uh, another mental health condition. Hmm. And we have we have also just really recommended that um, for people who are caregivers for a loved one who has a mental health condition, make sure that, you know, if somebody's offering to give you some sort of caregiver support, you know, if, if they ask you what ministers to you, well, just be honest. You know, if you think about um, if you've read any of like the five love languages books um, mm -hmm. and, and that whole idea, you know, if somebody's going to offer to bring you bubble bath supplies and you don't like bubble baths, well, you know, <laughs> tell them, you know, gosh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather uh, just get a card in the mail and, uh, you know, just, just be gentle, but be honest. So, um, you know, one other thing that I would just encourage your listeners to do is uh, we have done probably two dozen, what we called idea share uh discussions, video discussions in the past year. And so I just encourage your listeners to visit keyministry.org to see those because um, ministry leaders around the country have just come up with incredibly clever, socially distanced, safe ideas that have been very meaningful um, in this past year. And um, most of them are things that anybody can do. You've been so kind to send us uh, links to a lot of this information that's been shared today. And we 
certainly want to encourage our listeners to check out the show notes and learn more about it. Uh, Catherine, the Bible teaches a lot of truths that we just in general need to be reminded of a lot of the time. What are some biblical truths that are important to share with brothers and sisters in Christ who are dealing with debilitating depression or fear? You know, a, a couple that are just so important to me personally, and I have seen a lot of people who have uh, struggled with eating disorders specifically find these two verses just so very important. Um, uh, John 10, 10, you know, says that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I come that you have life and have it abundantly. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, uh, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not harm you plans to give you hope and a future. Now, of course I'm taking both of those out of context, right? <laughs> but, uh, but God's word is, you know, it doesn't return empty. And I think it's just so important, you know, if you're an individual or a, a ministry leader to just encourage people that um, Jesus has not left us alone in our struggles and, you know, that he is the God who has gone through basically the, the range of human experiences. And so he understands, he understands, you know, feeling abandoned. Uh, he understands, um, you know, grief and despair. Um, and so I would just encourage individuals or ministry leaders to know that, you know, we don't serve a God who is distant and far away. We serve a God who promises to be near and to walk us through, not necessarily get us out of, but walk us through um, what is really difficult for us. Um, a couple other resources that I don't think I shared with you guys in the uh, pre-show email, but there are mental health support groups that are that are Christ-centered that can be so helpful. And I would just encourage your listeners to check out Fresh Hope for Mental Health and also Mental Health Grace Alliance. Mm -hmm. And both of those have, um, they have groups that, I don't know if they're meeting in person or if they're all still online, but they both have groups all over the U.S. and even outside the U.S. and they have study materials that are excellent and um, they can really help people who, whether they live with a, a mental illness, you know, they've lived with it for a long time, or they're just really struggling with a, a situation that's leaving them very depressed and anxious. Uh, the resources from both of those organizations can be incredibly helpful. Thank you for those resources. Yes, of course. Catherine, we simply have to praise the Lord for you and Key Ministry. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for sharing your valuable insight with us. Your love for Christ and unwavering trust in Him shines through, and we pray for God's continued blessings on all you're doing for Him. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me today. Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.